Well, hello, everyone. This is Jessica. And this is Caitlin. And this is the Calling All Spirits podcast. How are you, Caitlin? I am so good. So we're recording this a couple weeks in advance because trying to do this over, you know, Christmas family gatherings and actual New Year's is going to be a trick and a half. So it's before Christmas still, but it's freezing outside and there's ice on the grass <laughs> and it's so pretty. Oh, I love it. Yes, winter has come to Texas. Yep, we get it for a couple days and hopefully this coming Thursday won't, you know, try to kill our power grid again when it drops down to well below freezing. But it is nice at least today because like it went down to freezing, it'll be back in the 40s for today and then we can continue functioning. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I am actually loving it. It was beautiful down here yesterday and... But it takes some getting adjusting to because it was like in the 40s. And at first I was like, I'm going to freeze to death. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, but then you get acclimated. We've just gone from hot. I mean, it's hard when you're living in like 90, 100 degree days to all of a sudden like, OK, it's cold now. Yeah, like when it's 40 and it stays 40, you can get used to it. And you develop the habits of remembering to grab a sweater before you pop outside. But when it was 75, 85 yesterday, and then it's 32 today, you go outside to grab something. You're like, you know what? I should not have done this barefoot. <laughs> exactly. I know. I walked outside to, to get something in my car and I was like, oh, my God. Like, when did winter hit? Yesterday. Winter hit yesterday. <laughs> it did. It did. But you get to we get to break out our sweaters and our boots. And I used to, when I moved down to Houston, I used to make fun of people that wore North Face when it was like 60 degrees. But I'm like, I get it. We get so little cold. If it's slightly chilly, like you get to break out all your winter stuff just so you get to wear it. Yes. Like of all the odd things for me to collect when I travel, I absolutely love getting hoodies and sweatshirts. Uh-huh. And so like I get to wear them for maybe three months of the year all the days added together. So I absolutely bust out. Like yesterday I was wearing my sweatshirt from Alaska when I went to go see my cousin. And uh, the other day I was wearing it from when I went to see my friend like 15 years ago and she lived near Jamestown at the time. So no, like being able to break out with my hoodies makes me so happy because I never get to do it. No, no, I I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's fun. I love because this morning we're, because normally we record at night and it's nice. It's the morning. We get a cup of coffee. Now, I was thinking it is the New Year's episode. Maybe we should have had mimosas and champagne. But I'm like, I need to function the rest of the day. Like Johnson, Joey's going to be the one driving to Johnson City potentially today for us. But I still should not be drinking champagne before driving an hour and a half. Because, no. yeah, bathroom breaks are kind of necessary when you're imbibing alcohol in my world. Oh, I know. Well, and I love mimosas. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know about you. My day's gone after that. Just because I'm sleepy or like I just drag the rest of the day so I'm like yeah yeah I mean I might I might for my second cup of coffee I might add some of the uh, maple pecan alcohol creamer that I have because it's so good but I didn't do it for my first cup so maybe if we take a break in like a little while so like when we shift modes I might grab a second cup of coffee and add some of that creamer because I forgot I had it actually until just the second so That might have to happen for my second cup. But yeah, no, being warm and toasty and drowsy when you're trying to function for the rest of the day is kind of a challenge. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. So coffee it is. But I can't, like, I kind of can't believe this is like our last episode of the year. It really blows my mind. (laughs) I'm so, I can't believe that we've been doing this for almost a year. Like, I know, so heads up for everybody, we'll be taking January off to get things organized for next season. But like the fact that we're at the end of the year and end of the season and we're getting geared up for round two absolutely blows my mind. I can't believe we've been doing this the whole time. 
I can't either because I feel like I don't know about you, but even in my head is like, okay, we'll try this for a couple of months. And then it's like, okay, we'll see if we can we go six months. Can we go? And it's just kept going. It's like, oh, my God, we did this for a year. I mean, we're short, like maybe one month, but still like pretty much a year. Yeah, it's amazing. And it also still feels like we started this three months ago. I know I, that that's what I can't believe either. Like, I know it's not June outside because, as I said, I can see ice. But, like, it feels like we started this in February and it's only been three, four mm-hmm. months. I agree. And, I mean, and to ha- and it's such a testament and a thank you to you that listen. Because I remember when we started, I was like, well, my mom will listen and my husband will listen. You know, you just – and now we have people all over the world, which is just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. We were looking at the map the other day because Brie piped in. She's like, you should see what our uh, download map looks like. And – we have people in Australia and India and the UK and Belgium and Mexico and Colombia. And I am just so, uh, I don't have words for how it makes me feel. Just grateful and amazed and just thank you. I mean, I just want to be like, thank you guys for listening and following us. It makes me really excited for year two. Really excited. For sure. We even have uh, some interviews we might be able to get lined up. That's part of what January is for, is scheduling things. (laughs) So for those of you who enjoyed Robin's uh, interview with us last time, we might have more along those lines coming in the future. So it's, oh, the fact that people want to hear us and hear all of this information makes it even more exciting to work on the next round. Oh, I agree. And maybe our husbands and family are like, okay, thank goodness it's not just us hearing it anymore. Like, we have an outlet for this we do and uh there yeah no i dare i guarantee you i guarantee you joey is grateful (laughs) (laughs) and i imagine that brie's grateful too because she's having to hear even more than she did before but now it's in an organized fashion (laughs) right it's just not just us rambling and exactly (laughs) oh my gosh that is too funny. So yeah, it's goodness. So I, and I'm excited. I feel like this is a great way to end the year with our New Year's episode and looking at New Year's Eve and what that can hold. Given so many of the traditions are about like taking stock of the previous year and getting excited for the new year, being literally part of all of these traditions, like we're literally doing that with the podcast. We're so excited and blown away by what's happened in the past year. And we're stoked about getting ready for the next year. It's, it's absolutely perfect. I'm so glad that we started in February because we got to time this out where we have our year and we get to take stock and be happy and excited. Yes. And, and get a little extra sleep too, because God, well, yes. I'm looking forward to that in January <laughs> because I, I think people don't really like, how much research goes into it each episode and writing and it's just like I am ready for a little bit of a break and not having to be like okay what do I need to research this week (laughs) like just have a moment yes I'm I'm gonna approach it a little bit differently hopefully where I'm able to get a little bit ahead in some of the reading uh because there are a few of the topics that I know are going to involve some longer books Mm -hmm. and I won't be able to get them done in the two weeks in between episodes (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you not feel like sometimes I feel like I'm back in college? Like when my husband's asleep and it's like two in the morning and I'm still reading and taking notes. I'm like, this feels very much like college again. Oh yeah. Where I'm waking up early and uh, the house Mm -hmm. is more or less quiet. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm back in school, especially when I'm sick of sitting at my desk and I take my laptop to the couch and I have the TV going in the background. I'm like, it's finals all over again. 
<laughs> That's what it feels like. I th- Yeah, I have been there on those early mornings. It's all worth it. Like it's it's all completely worth it. But yeah. Some- no regrets at all. We're just getting a break from college. It's like the winter break and then we'll be right back. It's literally winter break. <laughs> It is our winter break. But that's one thing I love about this podcast, too, is I've learned so much. I've learned how many more books I've read that I wouldn't have read if it hadn't been for this podcast. No argument here at all. It's kind of instead of letting us stay in our loop of this is mm-hmm. what I love and I'm excited about because we talk, we honestly, we'd have the same seven conversations right. over and over again. Being able to, like, find this excuse to expand our knowledge base to where if someone sets us off on this topic now, or at least with me, if someone triggers this conversation, I have like 30 topics to pull from and I can like, just, I don't, I don't repeat myself as much. And it's kind of an unexpected side effect that I absolutely love. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Well, on that note, talking about interesting topics, should we dive into New Year's Eve? I think we should. Awesome. Well, we're going to start with New Year's Eve superstitions and just we're going to go from there. But we thought that'd be a fun place to start, especially more of the superstitions we think of, I would say, like in America or more Western culture, like what we practice. So here are some things I found. Now, this one was more from the Victorian period to start with, but they believed Whatever you were doing at midnight would be what you were doing for the coming year. So that's why they decided to celebrate and go out and socialize and be with friends because they worried if you were staying in bed and sleeping, that could foretell illness or even worse. Which I am so glad this one isn't true because I have slept through like ringing in the New Year on so many occasions. Oh, same. Yeah. Um. I I don't always make it to midnight anymore, but wasn't that, oh, I want to say we covered that one or we talked about it in an earlier episode because it had ties to um, uh, slavery, indentured servitude, and tenant farming because they would make new contracts on New Year's Day. And so whatever you were doing on New Year's Day literally was what you'd be doing for the coming year. We didn't. Am I remembering that right? I'm, I'm sure you're right. But I don't think we covered that. At least I don't remember covering that in a podcast. But that's fascinating because I didn't know that. But I mean, to be fair, Samhain is the Celtic New Year. Like right. what's considered a new year is uh, varied from person to person. I mean, I told y'all in last episode that my new year is coming up on the winter solstice because I don't care about everybody else's <laughs> traditions since I left all of the other upbringings that I had before. And not that I don't care, like you can't practice them yourselves, but I don't personally. Like my new year starts on December 22nd. Yeah, no, I want to say we covered it, or at least I read about it and talked about it a little bit in the Samhain episode. Maybe. You may but- have. Very interesting, though. So that makes sense. They One of the superstitions was you need to clean your house before New Year's, and especially clean out your hearth to make way for new fires. Everyone on New Year's must have money in their pockets, even small children, to bring in a prosperous year. Kissed loved ones at midnight, which we still, a lot of us do. On New Year's Day, it's important to wear new clothes. You can let out the old year by opening your doors at midnight so you can let it go, which I actually kind of love that. Um, We ring bells at midnight to scare away evil spirits. And that's also why we still have that tradition of like the noisemakers and the horns and everybody making noise. And then, especially if in America, especially if you live in like the southern United States, I know a big thing down here is you eat greens and black eyed peas on New Year's. Because the greens are supposed to bring you money and the black eyed peas are supposed to bring you luck. 
And um, I even know as a little kid, like they would almost force feed me black eyed peas on New Year's Day. It's like <laughs> you have to eat one pea, at least one pea. Now as an adult, I actually really love greens and black eyed peas. But that was that's a big deal that you always have to eat at least a little bit for a good New Year. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's just some of our little more common ones. What have you got? So continuing with that, we kind of have different cultural traditions that are based on really similar kind of belief structures. Um, they'll sound really familiar, especially when we get to like the noise and the clearing out of the house. Awesome. But I'm going to start with the Czech Republic. And apparently there's a lot of divination that happens around New Year's and Christmas, especially. There's actually a lot of overlap in most of the cultures I looked at where it's kind of a Christmas, New Year's mm -hmm. blending where they do both or they kind of pull through for the same of them. And since I already mentioned that my New Year's is before both holidays anyway, <laughs> I have no shame in blending them like this. But one of the traditions is the floating of walnut shells. Oh, yeah, I liked this one. This one, uh, the little boats are made out of empty walnut shells and each family member would place a little burning candle into the shell uh -huh. and everyone's shells are then floated out into a bowl of water. Mm -hmm. And if the shell makes it across the bowl, the owner will have a long and healthy life. And if a shell sinks, then it brings bad luck to the owner. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little bit of anxiety with that one. Yeah. They also have something called the cutting of the apple, where after, this one's a Christmas one, uh, after uh -huh. Christmas dinner, every person at the table will cut open an apple and they'll cut it in half, uh, like with the top and the bottom instead of on in half, like with left and right, so that you can see the seeds and what design they make. Oh. And both halves are kind of shown around the table. And if the core is shaped like a star, it means that everyone will get together next year in happiness and in health. But a four-pointed cross is a bad omen. It means that someone at the table will fall ill or die within the year. These are awful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, those are at least not terribly dangerous. This next one is a little bit worrying because it's the pouring of lead. Oh, okay. What is this? <laughs> Um, a small piece of lead is melted over the fire and then poured into a container of water. And then the resulting shape will tell the pourer's destiny. So kind of like reading tea leaves, but you're reading lead. Gotcha. I've read something similar to that where you could, they preferred lead, but you could even do candle wax too. Yes. I actually like cool. the candle wax one. I never learned to read it, but I would play with it as a child. So I feel like I should learn that skill. Yeah. Staying in Europe, we are shifting to Ukraine where New Year's was considered to be a magical time with all kinds of evil forces being awakened and becoming a little bit dangerous. It was believed that the souls of deceased relatives were present at your holidays and they kind of feared their relatives and wanted to make sure they pleased them. At least according to this article, if you live in Ukraine or you grew up with the traditions and you have a different opinion, let us know because I'd like to know. According to this, the idea was that the sky also opens on New Year's Eve and anyone can ask God for anything. And so for this night, as well as for the holiday of Ivan Kapala, there are legends about burning money and treasures as offerings. And for a long time, there was a belief that the nature of the New Year's holiday affected the fate of the whole year. On this basis, customs, rituals, prohibitions, and restrictions were formed that clearly reflected the worldview of the farmer because it was an agricultural right. society. At first, New Year's was completely in the spring because, you know, we were talking about the different timing of different New Year's since all people, well, not all people, since so many people would see the spring as the beginning and the renewal of life. And so that would be the new year. Mm -hmm. And it, the ancient Slavs would see the beginning of the new year with the arrival of spring, with winter being over and the new year has arrived. There aren't any historical sources that say exactly when it was celebrated or how in the pagan period. 
but it was mostly associated or most likely associated with the appearance of a new moon and celebrated on the eve of the vernal equinox that was basically called new summer at the time interesting and so yeah and it was a time to honor deceased relatives which kind of makes sense given how many people tend to die over winter especially right after christmas still even today and the traditional New Year rites of Ukrainians are one of a number of winter holidays now today, with a 12-day period starting on December 25th and including January 1st and January 6th. Around these dates of the church, around these dates, the church and civil calendar over the centuries has formed kind of an extremely rich set of customs. Ukrainians often celebrate the last day of the old and the first day of the new year. Since these weren't important to the religious calendar, there isn't as much of an influence from the church on what the customs are. Okay. Uh, The evening of the 31st was called the generous or rich festive table, uh, where you have the really kind of expensive and luxurious foods. Mm -hmm. And you would also have different rituals that you would do. For example, like an owner would approach the tree with uh, a tree in their yard or on their property with an ax and address the tree saying, if you bring fruit, I will not cut you down. If you do not bring fruit, I will cut you down. Poor tree. (laughs) Kind of like a head. And I'm assuming this is not for like elm trees where we don't eat the fruit. It's more for fruiting trees that we, we need food for. Yes. And then they would lightly touch the trunk with the ax three times. And the consequence of these actions was supposed to be a bountiful harvest of fruit. Oh. And then to get rid of caterpillars in the summer, they would walk around the garden barefoot three times. Wow. And then there were also different New Year's signs and divinations. Uh, They would often look at clouds. If they came from the south, they believed there would be a good harvest in the spring. And they tried to find out that night which grains would be the most productive the next year. So bunches of wheat, rye, barley, and oats were left outside. And it was believed that which one, the the hoarfrost or the cold frost of the night, whichever it fell on of those sets of grains would be the best choice for the next year. That is fascinating. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, there were the techniques of how to figure out who you're going to marry. But I don't have as much mm-hmm. detail on that one. <laughs> but I think it's really cool. And then... In Sweden, apparently, starting in 1969, there was a English broadcast or a Swedish broadcast of an English show. It's the Countess and the Butler. And apparently, since it was shown in 1969, it's become a tradition to watch it every year in Sweden. Oh, Um, great. But it was never aired in England. So British people are very confused when Swedish friends talk to them about it, even though it's an English (laughs) show. How funny. They also, on New Year's Day, will... Watch Ivano, the uh, the 1982 adaptation of the film. Then they take to Twitter and they start picking on Sam Neill, who played the bad guy in the movie. Oh my gosh! Poor... Oh, I bet he dreads that every year. It's like here it comes. Like we all know him here in the states from like Jurassic Park, and I love him yes. from Roland's Apprentice. But like they they pick on him from Ivano. Oh my gosh! I sincerely hope that he gets a kick out of it because yeah, that would that would be very touching. Even though it'd be like I'm not the bad guy in real life. Oh my gosh! I wonder if he just prepares himself every year. Like here it comes. <laughs> they are also a fan of Lord Tennyson, the poet. Mm-hmm. There is a Swedish translation of it, and it's the poem called "Ring Out, Wild Bells," and it's been read out at Stockholm's Outdoor Museum since the mid 1890s. And today it is shown by a live broadcaster on SVT. And at least the older generations of Swedes will still continue to gather in front of their televisions to watch it as the clock turns to midnight before they watch fireworks. Oh, I love that. Um, A traditional food that got my attention was the kebab pizza, which is 
literally what it sounds like. It's a pizza topped with meat and finished with an ambiguously titled kebab sauce. And it happens to be one of the most popular forms of pizza ordered by Swedish people. According to the pizza delivery company Online Pizza, they order more food on New Year's Day than any other day of the year. Interesting. I'm going to have to, like, Google this. Like, I want to see what this looks like. And it's not an official tradition, like, that's sanctified by the state. But apparently an MP even once tried to propose to Parliament that January 1st should be turned into Kebab Pizza Day. (laughs) Kebab Pizza Day. I'd go for it. I love that. I mean, I don't see the problem with it. And then you mentioned that we still do a lot of kissing on New Year's Eve, like, for loved ones. Apparently... When the clock strikes midnight in Sweden, you hug every person in the room. You don't give a kiss. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And I kind of like that it's uh, it, it's a hug and it's with everybody in the room. It's yes. not just with one person that you kiss at midnight. And I love the way the article phrased this. They're like, you may already have forgotten their names after shaking their hands with them earlier in the evening, but you are now hugging friends forever. Oh, my gosh. See, I love that because it's one thing when you have a date. But when you don't and you're that awkward person at New Year's and everybody's kissing and you're like, yep, not like I love this. I think this is so much better. It's more friendly and it's more because you want the idea is to convey good well wishes for the year. And you want your entire community like your loved ones and your friends and your family to be prosperous for the new year. So you give everyone a hug. Yeah, I think we should adopt this. I really like this. I like it a lot, too. Uh, Shifting a little further south to France, I actually had a friend who grew up in France and I made him tell me about his traditions (laughs) instead of Googling. And he remembers that kids under the mistletoe for luck was what he he remembered growing up with. So they'd go into the wood to gather some mistletoe and hang it under a light fixture in the family room. Uh Uh-huh. And that was apparently to indicate good luck for the coming year. Cool. There was also a practice that I forgot to look up the pronunciation for. Uh, so I'm sorry, Christoph. I, I, I promise I, I should have looked it up, but I ran out of time. Um, but it is a, mo- a monetary gift. It's a gift of money that you give to people like teachers, firefighters, male people, uh, garbage collectors, house cleaners. And the amount is different for each person. And some people like the mail carrier or the firefighters would come to your door to collect them. And in his family, kids received w- would receive these monetary gifts from parents, grandparents, and sometimes a godparent or aunt and uncle. Oh, very cool. He said, other than that, there wasn't really anything special about New Year's traditions. When he was a kid, they'd get up dressed fancy and have a cocktail dinner late and watch a special TV show until midnight and then wish everyone a happy New Year. Other times they would have an aunt and uncle at home for a big dancing party until the early hours of the 1st of January. And the food and wine was always fancy. So it also plays into the abundance at the end of the year before you do the less expensive food for New Year's Day for good luck. Love that. And then he... He's, he's, he's honestly the reason I was like, you know what? I give up. I'm going to combine Christmas and New Year's traditions because his <laughs> next line was, we also had some Christmas traditions, which are different. I'm like, okay, you got to tell me what those were. Yeah. And so he said, of course, the biggest thing in France in my family when I was a kid, uh, because things have changed since right. I think he's in his 40s now. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask his age. I don't know. Uh, but we didn't have stockings. What they did was they would place their nicest shoes 
not an actual pair, just one of the shoes at the base of the tree or in front of the fireplace if you had one. And the shoe was cleaned and shined. And the morning of Christmas, you would find one or two clementine oranges and some chocolates. Oh, love it. And food, they would definitely eat a Christmas Yule log, which is basically, it's like a giant Swiss roll is what I always think they look like. Mm -hmm. And it's made, decorated to look like a Yule log. And it's kind of a takeaway from the old tradition of burning a Yule log on Mm -hmm. the winter solstice for good luck. And it would, they would also eat more special food like turkey and other luxury items like smoked salmon, fragua, oysters, etc. Yum. And they would always go into the forest to harvest their tree until urban development made it to where they couldn't go out anymore. And then they would, because he was raised Catholic, they would go to midnight mass. Gotcha. Apparently traditions have changed quite a bit. And oftentimes they they have more in common with the rest of the Western world, complete with buying your tree at Ikea and then recycling (laughs) them at Ikea afterwards. (laughs) Oh, too funny. We also have some information from Ireland, where when you mentioned the idea of cleaning the house before the new year to kind of clear out the old before you bring in the new... First tradition that's listed on this article was spring cleaning in December. Wow. Okay. And I mean, it's a great idea anyway. Like having a, a clean out is good at any time of the year since you're, you, their idea was a tidy mind means a tight or tidy space is a tidy mind. Mm-hmm. An ADHD brain, like sometimes a tidy space means I don't know where I put anything. This is so, <laughs> but it is a good excuse to remove the clutter, things that I haven't been using lately that can go back into the garage. Like it's a good idea. And it helps you focus and really, and apparently it helps reduce cortisol levels, which I'm like, hey, after all that Christmas luxury, um, maybe some lower cortisol levels so I don't hold on to all the weight going into the new year would be nice. Yes. The centuries old custom of having a clean slate in preparation to start the new year is, of course, a brilliant way to start. This is the part that got me. I'm like, cleaning is also a great thing to do when dusting off the cobwebs of Christmas and will help you beat the post-Christmas blues. I imagine this works better if you're not leaving up your decorations until February. Probably, which, hey, no judgment. I leave mine up till like mid-January. Like, Oh, yeah. And I feel so much better once I found out that in areas of Alaska, they leave their outdoor lights out, especially until after the Iditarod. Wow. Because it's a bright, cheery way to get through. And then after the sled race is over, then they... Then they take down their lights. I'm like, that is perfect. And also, your winter is intense up in Alaska, so I don't blame anyone for those traditions anyway. No, not at all. Another tradition makes perfect sense to me is remembering people who have passed in the previous Mm. year. Because while you're Mm -hmm. gathering with everyone who is there, you can't help but think about the people who are missing. Absolutely. And a door is often left off of the latch to make it easy for family member spirits to enter. If I didn't have cats that I was trying to keep from going into the outdoor world, I would totally do this. (laughs) And then along with, you mentioned the sweeping of the bed or the the old energy out the door. Yeah. One of their traditions is when the clock strikes 12 on the 31st of December. If you're seeking good luck, it's recommended that you walk into your house through the front door and leave through the back door. Oh. This helps lead in the uh, new year and lead out the old year. Very cool. Yeah, um, it shows, you know, how keen you are to have a new happy year, but it also is supposed to psychologically help you kind of leave the year of the past and all the bad things. Like, you know what? They're over. They're done. They're outside. We're finished. Oh, I, I really liked, I like I'm thinking of like there's several of these I want to adopt and use this year. Yeah. <laughs> Same as I was reading these. I'm like, oh, I like that one. And I like that one. And I like that one. Yeah. 
This one I think is delightful as well. Banging bread on the walls and doors. What? (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't have any bread, you can use pots and pans or wooden spoons. Uh, The reason for this is banging various items onto the walls and doors of the home is a traditional custom to ward off evil spirits and also protect the home and community from any bad luck. Mm. It also invites good spirits in, meaning that the home is protected for the next year. And is a cathartic task that can make the whole family be involved and gets everyone together just in time for the new year to start. That is too funny. I love it. Yes, I love that too. And then the next one is one that's, I've heard about it more in conjunction with Scotland, but apparently it's an Irish tradition as well, which is first footing. And it's basically being very aware of the first person to walk through your door on the first day of January to set the tone for the rest of the year. Different regions in Ireland have different viewpoints on hair color, gender, and general looks of the person who walks in. In some places, if a dark-haired, handsome man walks through the door as the first person, the year will be filled with happiness and good fortune. But if a young, red-headed woman walks through the door, it's a symbol of bad luck for the family. Which is rough news for you, Jess. What? Oh my... Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, I guess my family just has terrible luck then, so. Or just make sure uh, your son or your husband walks in first. That makes me sad. Like, what's up with that? Okay, I'm I'm not. I mean, you can take a page out of my book. My hair will be blue for New Year's. (laughs) Okay, that is one tradition I am not following. Fair enough. (laughs) This one is another use of mistletoe. Mm. Uh, So you can use mistletoe, holly, and ivy to find a loved one. Uh, If you're looking to start the new year off by finding a loved one, this superstition helps you find someone who's looking for love. You are encouraged to put sprigs of mistletoe, holly, or ivy under your pillow. And this will help you bring wonderful dreams of your future partner. And then we're back to trying to predict the weather. (laughs) Because, I mean, honestly, the weather affects us so badly. Even in modern times when you have access to central air and heating, you still want to know what the weather's going to do. Absolutely. And so in this case, the direction the wind is blowing from in December and January. So if you can know when to expect very chilly weather as well as rain, snow and harsh winds. Mm -hmm. So if the wind comes from the west, then the Emerald Isle is in luck. Westerly winds symbolize fortune and a great year ahead. However, if the wind comes from the east, they tend to prepare themselves for bad luck. And we hope this New Year's brings you westerly winds. (laughs) Yes, we do. And then they also have a very common, I mean, I think honestly, this one is almost universal at this point that I've noticed, is having the big, fancy, lovely dinner the night of New Year's and then having a a smaller meal with less ostentatious foods for breakfast or or your meal the next day to like, you know, not poverty food, but like less expensive food so that you're kind of gearing up for a little bit of frugality to get through the next year. The traditional custom dates back in time to in Ireland when uh, the crop success meant the difference between feast and famine. And they would also do spells and incantations to invoke to uh, protect the house from danger. That's what it was. And then, of course, similar to leaving the latch off of the door so that the spirits could come in, welcoming past ancestors into the house is a New Year's Eve tradition. And some Irish families open every door, window, and everything else that can be accessed from the outside so that family members who have passed can, can come into the house and take part in the festivities. Um, And then the last one they have listed was place coal around the house. Having coal in the house was a sign that the new year would be prosperous and filled with the wealth and abundance. Coal represents warmth, potential, and opportunity. This means that when people place coal around the house, they are hopeful for a fantastic new year. And I would put solid money on that tradition dating no further back than the industrial age. Uh, shifting modes entirely, I had a friend who grew up in the Philippines that gave me a little bit of what she grew up doing. And it's, again, firecrackers and noisemakers to scare away evil spirits. 
She thinks that it was a tradition adopted from Chinese practices, but adapted into the calendar New Year, and along with gathering family and parties. New Year's is apparently more important for them to gather as a family than Christmas was. Christmas was more like a day off with church services, and New Year's was when you were to be with family and party and celebrate to scare away bad spirits and bring in good spirits, which I thought was really cool. That is. All right. So next we have Greece, where I had yet another friend. I'm so grateful to have people who live internationally who can tell me specific things about different traditions. What she mentioned was there is one tradition of breaking a pomegranate on your door. And basically, it is a tradition that dictates that on New Year's Eve, the family gathers outside. And when the clock strikes midnight, a pomegranate is rolled and then smacked on the front door of the house. And the more seeds that scatter on the floor, the luckier the new year will be. Uh, occasionally, this can also happen on New Year's Day when the family members wear their Sunday best, go to church, and then welcome the new year there. Where the man of the house takes the pomegranate with him to church for the fruit to be blessed. And then when the family returns home, he'll knock on the door so that he's the first person to enter the house in the new year. And then he'll smash the pomegranate either on in front of the door or against the door. And he'll make a wish that the juicy, abundant, ruby-like segments of the fruit flood the home with good health and happiness. And as many joys occur as the pomegranate has seeds scattered. We also have the feast day of St. Vasilios, who is basically the Greek Santa Claus, but not in the same sense, because traditionally kids just didn't receive presents from Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, they'd be visited by Agios Vasilios, Saint Basil, the Greek Father Christmas, on New Year's Eve. He became the Greek Father Christmas as a result of his kind and humble character and his generosity towards the poor, whom he distributed all of his worldly goods. And he is apparently known as St. Basil because people from other parts of Europe, specifically English-speaking areas, were not able to pronounce Vasilios, at least according to my friend who lives there. And then, shifting modes entirely, we are going down to Brazil. The big ones that were known were, of course, with wonderful dancing, good food, and socializing, because that's common throughout all of these. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there would be friends and family would gather at the beach to toast the new year with parties that would continue till sunrise on the 1st of January. Mm. A lot of people who live further away will make the road trip to the white sandy beaches. Wearing white clothing and brightly colored underwear is a <laughs> common one in a lot of South America, actually. Wow. I've never heard that one. You would increase your luck by wearing the brightly colored underwear. Red would bring love and yellow would bring money. So I oh. need to make sure I have some yellow underwear for uh, New Year's. <laughs> But what if you got red and yellow? Ooh, smart. Then you have both covered. I like the way you think. <laughs> also, uh, seven is considered a lucky number in Brazil. After dinner and before midnight, it is lucky to eat seven grapes for abundance. It will ensure your wallet will be full of money and your life will be overflowing with everything you desire in the upcoming year. And you also must jump over seven waves in the ocean. For every wave you jump, you make a wish for the new year. Oh, my goodness. Now, that is a dream, spending New Year's at the beach. Like, I can get behind that. Yeah, no question here. <laughs> that would be glorious. Mm-hmm. And then the foods that you actually drink, or not the food you drink, the foods you eat also have meaning. Um, you have to eat the right foods on December 31st, like, like rice, lentils, pomegranate seeds, and grapes. Mm. So lentils are for positive energies. Pomegranate is for good luck. And you want to avoid food like turkey and crab unless you want your year full of bad luck. Interesting. And if you are able to be at the sea, obviously, if you're jumping the ocean waves, you're probably <laughs> near the ocean. 
Traditionally at midnight, everyone makes offerings to the ocean, the goddess of the sea and the mother of the waters. Uh, she, Yaman, Yamanha, I want to say it is. I, I tried listening to a couple of pronunciations and they were conflicting. So if I pronounced it wrong, I am very sorry. But she is an African-Brazilian religious figure from different religions. And she's pre- frequently portrayed as a mermaid and is connected to the moon, water, and feminine mysteries among some of the diasporic groups. Uh, she stands up for women's rights. And she oversees all matters affecting women, including motherhood, child protection, love, and healing. Oh. The story is the first mortal humans were born from her womb. When her water broke, a huge flood created the rivers and the streams. Wow. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I love, I really love that. And I also just love mermaids in general. So, like, that makes me happy. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. (laughs) Fair enough. She's also revered as the goddess of the moon and the feminine force of creation for fishermen as well. For those who have survived shipwrecks, Mm. she becomes important to them too. Uh, And for good luck for the whole year, it's important to offer white flowers, soaps, combs, and necklaces to her. You toss them into the sea with a wish. Oh, very cool. And then of course, fireworks, because you want the brightness and noise and celebration to drive away bad spirits Mm -hmm. and bring in good spirits. And then they also actually celebrate with hugs and wishing your friends a prosperous and happy new year. See, they're on to it. I love that. Yep. And then talking to a friend of mine from Mexico, there is a similar tradition with grapes, but instead it's 12 grapes at midnight Mm. and it's supposed to be a wish for each month. And then if you want to travel for the next year, you are supposed to take a suitcase and walk around the block. Oh, wow. Yeah. I liked that one too. Uh I'm like, oh, that's fun. Uh, We also throw a cup of water out the door, she said. Like, our back is towards the outside and you throw it over your shoulder. It's supposed to take away the negativity from the home. Very cool. I liked that, too. Uh Uh-huh. And you also want to, uh, like, we mentioned the the carrying money in your pocket for the new year. You want to wear your money on your left foot. Oh, okay. So it has to be the left. Okay. Left foot. Um, We also do 12 coins under the moon that you are supposed to carry and not use them throughout the year. Okay. Like, carry them around with you throughout the year, but Uh don't spend them. Okay. And then they also have the colored underwear practice with red for love, yellow for money. And she said white underwear was another option, but she couldn't remember what the detail was for. So if you know the answer to that and you want to (laughs) supplement what my friend forgot, please let us know. (laughs) Columbia also has 12 grapes at midnight. Apparently that one, grapes definitely up and down South America. Yeah. Uh, Apparently it dates originally from Spain. So it is Mm. a European tradition, which is less thrilling when you learn that. But in Spain, they would be green grapes. And in Colombia, the person who wrote this article has seen both green and red grapes eaten. Um, But you're supposed to... This one has more detailed uh, instructions because you don't just eat the 12 grapes at midnight. You eat them right after the stroke of midnight, eating one with each stroke of the clock while you make the wish. Oh, okay. So that's 12 grapes in 12 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I can eat 12 grapes in 12 seconds, but I don't know if I'd be able to do them one at a time. Yeah. And hopefully not choking. Exactly. That would probably bring bad luck. That would be a sign of bad luck. Exactly. If you choke on the grapes, it's a problem. Then there's obviously, you know, parties and toasting with champagne for a new good luck for a new year. And they also have the colored underwear. Mm. But the this one, this article had really cool information about it differs from Spanish tradition that calls for red underwear and they do yellow specifically. Oh, so it's supposed to be for good luck, for love or for both from what they can tell. Right. But the big thing that they definitely agree on is that the the yellow underwear should be new and should definitely be clean. And that goes for all of the days of the year in general. So like good advice. Solid. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some people also wear their yellow underwear inside out and then flip them right side out when the clock strikes midnight. So does everybody have... Which means you're stripping down in front of people or you're excusing yourself. I, know, well, I was supposed to say, if everybody's doing this, does everybody just have to run and buy the room? Like, or I guess everyone's wearing a skirt or a dress. That'd be a little too personal for me. <laughs> like, you definitely know if everyone's underwear was clean. Another one that they do in Colombia is you put lentils in your pockets. Um, Raw lentils, not cooked, because that would be messy and not helpful. And you want to do this to bring prosperity into the new year. You can also do this with garbanzo beans or other grains. And some people say that you should put them in your wallet or your pocketbook, not your pocket. So, and apparently some people say you should keep them there all year round. Okay. There's also the superstition that you should put money in your wallet or your pocket. So that you have that set up for the year and there's space in your life for the money. They also have the walking around the block for the luggage if you want to travel. And then importantly, they want you to start the year off literally on the right foot. It means literally taking your first step of the new year with your right foot. Okay. And it's not so hard. You don't have to worry about what's in your pockets or scarfing down fruit in 12 (laughs) seconds. And if you have had a rough year the year before, Uh a move is to burn down (laughs) or burn things in uh, effigy basically you have a handmade doll or a straw man in your yard and you set them on fire to represent the old year and the bad vibes and everything you are done with and ready to let go of okay wow they also clean their house Mm -hmm. for the new year and then as far as predicting the new year they use a potato oh Uh, You would basically take three potatoes on December 31st, peel one entirely, peel one halfway, and leave one unpeeled. And then you place all three of them under your bed. And after New Year, you reach under your bed and pick one potato without looking. Mm -hmm. According to each potato you pick, they will have a good or bad year financially. Oh. A fully peeled potato is a bad year, and you will go broke this year. Uh Uh-huh. A half peeled is a so-so year. It's going to have some financial stress. And an unpeeled potato is the good luck year of prosperity and economic success. Oh, very cool. You also want to decorate your table with wheat, specifically 12 stalks of wheat. Mm. And then in general, there seems to be a common denominator of fireworks for everybody everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Which plays nicely into the big noise scaring away the bad spirits and bringing in good luck. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. There's some really cool traditions in here that I'm definitely going to look at. Seeing if they can be incorporated yes. into my life, especially especially the letting out of the old year <laughs> concept, because as good as this year was, which we talked about early in yeah. this episode, there are some other things that happened this year that I am very ready to let go of. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. Well, no, that's awesome. Well, and that kind of, um, I guess, leads into my little section, which we, and it's funny because you covered some of these, so some. People in different countries already practice these divinations. But when I think of New Year's, at least in America, I don't I don't really think of fortune telling. But that used to be such a big part of this tradition. Because um, now I think it's more of a time for a celebration. We drink champagne. We stay up way too late. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the Victorians did this too. Because I'm really going, the divinations, at least here, were big with the Victorians. And so the Victorians did that, but they also spent the remaining hours of the year fortune telling. And they had a great resource to turn to for all their divination needs. And it was a book called Fontaine's Golden Will Dream Book and Fortune Teller Book. So <laughs> I know it's like, it's great. And the cover's beautiful. 
And what's really cool is there are free versions of this online. So if you just Google it, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to pay for it. You can read the whole thing online. We will link that in our socials when this episode comes out. That's too cool not to share. Oh, exactly. Um, So just a little bit of an overview of this book. It was written in 1862, and it was touted as the most complete work on fortune telling and interpreting dreams ever printed. That's what they said. So it does have the alphabetical list of dreams and their interpretations. It has ways to determine what days are lucky in the year, which ones are going to be unlucky. Um, Of course, different ways to tell fortunes with cards and dice and dominoes. How to foretell future events by the lines on a hand, which is palmistry. But also the moles on the body, the face, fingernails, which... I don't even, that kind of grosses me out thinking about it. Hair and the shape of one's head. So it goes into that. Um, You can tell what's important during the time period because they had methods to find water and coal and different metals that are underground. So also how to tell fortunes with tea and coffee grounds and the language of flowers. So this book is so comprehensive. Um, So that's why it's a fascinating read. Now, we're going to focus on Fontaine's thoughts on New Year's tradition. So we've been talking about all these celebrations and be with family and friends. And it's interesting because Fontaine believed that partying on New Year's Eve is a very ill-omened idea. Like, you should not do it. So the book said, and I quote, The evening which of all others is the most adapted for witchery is New Year's Eve. It is a very ill practice to spend this evening at a ball, and it is an acknowledged fact that ill luck more or less follows a person throughout the year who has danced the old year out and the new year in. So what they suggest is, they said, you should spend New Year's Eve with a small circle of near and dear friends around a punch bowl while you seek to inquire what the future has in store for you. Or did, I mean, on one hand, I don't like his judgment of people's uh, traditions. Yeah. On the other hand, that's how I party. Well, it's a- like <laughs> not not necessarily with the divinations around a, a punch bowl, but like I like groups of like eight to 12, 12 people tops. I know. Like four or five friends playing board games and hanging out is my idea of a party anyway. So this kind of works. I agree. And then I'm like, does Fontaine just want everybody to buy his book and do new year's like his their i don't know if it's a he she their way but um yeah i thought that was really interesting but that's kind of what i like anyway so i think maybe fontaine was just an introvert and didn't know how to yeah, phrase it probably exactly well and lucky for everyone if you're doing that the book provides many ways to do their, that on new year's eve so i just chose a few now one i'm not going to go into because you actually covered it which is the lead and wax spell that's what he calls it where you melt lead or wax into the water. Now, the next one is actually called the candle spell. So you take two candles and a little before the clock strikes 12, you go into, it says, an adjoining chamber. But you have to be alone. That is key. Now, you have to stand in front of a mirror. And exactly as the clock strikes midnight, you call out your own name in full three times And when the last sound has faded away, you will see in the glass your future husband or wife looking over your shoulder. Which that sounds super creepy and way too much like Bloody Mary. Like this is. I have issues with mirrors being portals anyway. I'm not going to invite that one in. Please. No, that just sounds so spooky. I don't like that one. Mm -mm. 
Oh, yeah. No. Now, the next one is how to tell the letter of your future wife or husband's name. So you can see a trend with a lot of these. It's basically who you're going (laughs) to marry. And that's what you're trying to find out on New Year's Eve. So if you wish to learn the letter of your future spouse, you must write down all the letters of the alphabet separately on small pieces of paper. You put the pieces of paper in a box and without looking, and Fontaine said preferably blindfolded, draw one out and what you pick will be the first letter of your future spouse's name. But this has to be done right before midnight. That was key. Okay. I will say this makes more sense than the apple peel tradition we learned at Sally. I I think so too. I agree. This this gives you the option for like Q and X and F as options. Exactly. Exactly. Now, the last one I found from Fontaine to talk about was the saucer charm. Again, it's who you're going to marry. So you need four saucers. And in the first one, you put a ring. In the next one, you put a sprig of myrtle. Then the next one, you put in a piece of money. And the last one, you just have nothing. And side note, they use myrtle because it symbolized love and luck and beauty and Queen Victoria used Myrtle in her wedding bouquet, and thus it became a very popular wedding flower, which... Oy, is there a tradition we can't tie to Victoria? <laughs> not not during this time period, no. It all goes back to Queen Victoria. <laughs> and, and I think it's the royals, because I'm a little bit obsessed with the royals, too. They all still use that same Myrtle from, like, that same, like, tree in their wedding bouquets to Yo! this day. I think so. Um, so anyway, it's still popular. Now, the individual who wants to know their future spouse, they're blindfolded. And while they're blindfolded, the other people in the room move the saucers around. So they don't know where each one is. And then they'll place their hand in one of the saucers. So if they get the ring, they're going to be engaged. If they get the myrtle, they're going to be married. If they get money, that means they get wealth. And if they get nothing, it just means no change to their circumstances in the future year or so. This is not your year. Keep <laughs> Exactly. Now, I wanted to end with one of my favorite, and this was actually new to me, but one of my favorite divination techniques, which is bibliomancy, which is so cool. Now, during the 20th century, and one of the most prized gifts you could receive during the Victorian period, it was it was a book. That was like one of the greatest gifts you could get. And that's what people gave you to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, and of course, they were very big at Christmas. Um, one reporter from the time period even commented that Christmas would not be recognized without them. Like, they were essential. Now, the love of receiving a book, I mean, of course, it's a great present, but it also kind of grew into a tradition and superstition because it was said that bad luck would fall upon any family who did not have a new book in hand when the clock struck midnight on December 31st. So had to have one. Um, And it's. That's downloading an audio book in time for midnight. I would. In this day and age, I would say yes. And I mean, (laughs) this was mainly back then. I mean, yeah, that's great. You get a new book, but they also used it to tell their fortunes. So that was kind of the key. You had to have it. So on New Year's Eve, families would gather around and practice bibliomancy. So bibliomancy derives from biblio, meaning books, and mancy, which means divination by means of. So how they would do this is the family would use their new book they received, or if for some reason they didn't get a new book, they could use the Bible. And that was fine as well. So a family member, usually the head of the household, would either ask a specific question or they would just focus on the coming year. 
Then they would open the book or Bible to a random page, close their eyes and circle the text with their finger. And then when spirit told them to stop, they would open their eyes and read the passage their finger had landed on to receive their answers or fortune for the new year. Um, And I've also just heard they'd open it to a random page and start reading as well. But um, now Victorians were not the first to practice bibliomancy. It actually had a long spiritual tradition that dates back to ancient Rome. And in Rome, they'd use the texts of Homer and Virgil to predict their future. And then it, it was popular in the Middle Ages when it was widely adopted as a magical medicine to receive answers and remove negative forces. So it's been around for a while. Um, Now, I thought this was neat. Bibliomancy was such a vital part of Victorian and Edwardian book culture that literary figures incorporated it into their own works. So in Wilkie Collins, who we talked about last week with Dickens, because Dickens liked Wilkie Collins, in his book, The Moonstone, bibliomancy is routinely practiced by the protagonist who would turn to the papers of Robinson Crusoe when seeking advice and answers to their burning questions. So here's a little passage from the book. And it says, when my spirits are bad, Robinson Crusoe. When I want advice, Robinson Crusoe. In the past times when my wife plagued me, in present times when I have had a drop too much, Robinson Crusoe. I have worn out six stout Robinson Crusoes with hard work in my service. So that's what they'd go to every single time when they needed a question answered. Now, sadly, it could also take a really tar- dark turn when some blame crimes they committed on the passage they turned to in a book or the Bible. So this actually, what? yes, so there is an occurrence of this. In, on April 2nd, 1866, a man stole a set of spoons because he believed that the Bible had told him to do so. Uh, but yeah, his justification didn't stand up in court. They didn't really recognize <laughs> bibliomancy. As, they were like, no, you just are a thief. So didn't work. But that's what he claimed happened. And today we don't, I mean, people still do this. You were just talking about it, but I don't, but the tradition on New Year's, I think is really faded. Like, but I think we should bring it back. Doing it on New Year's has not become super popular. Like I accidentally did this uh, in one of my favorite stores when I was visiting Houston a few weeks ago. And I was, oh, the accuracy of the reading was uncomfortable. But I mean, technically, this is still a really common tradition because if you think about it, in the last 10, 15 years that Facebook has been around, how often do you see the thing that says, reach for the book that's closest to you, turn to page so-and-so, and the first line of that text is your love life or your luck for the next month or something like that. We I still see those all the time. So this is still a super common practice that's pulling through from Rome, apparently. Wow, see, I have, what is wrong? Has Bibliomancy been kept from me? Because I'm like, I never see those. Like... You never see no. those? They are constantly on my feed for the last 15 years. Isn't that years. funny? And I've never had one. What? 10 years, 15 years. How long ago did Facebook That's start? so funny. Maybe face, the Facebook universe yeah. is like, has been keeping this from me because I haven't seen it, but yeah, I love I am it. blown away that you've never seen that. No. You never see the things of like, God, what, find the book that's closest to you, turn to page like 64 and the first full sentence is your love life for the next no. year. You never see those? No, I don't. They don't show up on my feed. I don't know what algorithm <laughs> I'm stuck on. I saw one a week ago. That's too funny. That is too funny. Well, no, but I love this and I want to do this now that I've like discovered it. I mean, I've heard of cartomancy, is it cartomancy? Yeah. All that, which is cards. Like I've heard of all this, but I had not heard of bibliomancy and I'm obsessed now. How? 
So I'm just now coming into this. I accidentally do it all the time. How have I not had this conversation with you before? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, it could be fun to like try it and like see. I, but I feel like you have to be, we were talking about this before. Like you have to pick the right book because you, yes. I mean, you can't be going like true crime novels or a horror novel. <laughs> like I was going to, I was like, if we try this today, like I was trying, I was very careful about like which book would I choose for this? I've been thinking about it for a couple of days and I think I know which book to go grab <gasps> now that I'm like in the moment. But like. I definitely don't want to grab any of Joey's manga behind me. That would be <laughs> potentially problematic. I don't need giant robots no. coming and destroying my universe. Yeah. Um, and like any of the, <laughs> the horror vampire books I borrowed from a friend of mine, definitely don't need to stumble across no. the body in the woods. No. So yeah, no, you definitely want to be careful of the book that you yes. use. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I know. I was looking at my books and I'm part of me just since it's our podcast, I kind of thought about the Fox sisters. I may grab that book just in honor of the podcast. Or I have the book, The History of Spiritualism. So maybe it'll be what we cover next year. So I don't know. I've got to pick which one I want. So Same. I'm thinking I'm going to get the um, the new book that I haven't. I plan on reading it in the fall and I just didn't have a chance to get into it was the uh, Baba Yaga book of witchcraft. Ooh, so should we like. Because it covers a lot of old traditions. I'm like, ooh, I should use that. Okay. So should we grab our books and see what the future has? Okay. Should. So, which book did you grab, Caitlin? So, I grabbed my Baba Yaga's book of Yay! witchcraft, and I grabbed Radical Spirits. Ooh, good one. Spiritualism and the Women's Rights in the 19th Century America. So, I thought, since you talked about two books and reading for the pod, I thought maybe we could each do a reading for the podcast for the yes! re- for the year, and then do, like, a reading for ourselves in the other book. I love it. I love it. Okay, so do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. For the podcast. Ooh. Uh, this opens straight to chapter five: the body and soul destroying man destroying marriage institution. No, what? <laughs> this is for the podcast, though, oh, not for me. Yes, okay, very good. So this talks about Mary Fenn Love leaving the farm town of Randolph in Western New York and emancipating herself from two mammoth obstacles to her spiritual advancement: okay. the Calvinist theology of her Orthodox upbringing and an unhappy marriage. Oh, so. The quotation after that is, beware of inharmonious alliances. Well, that's important. That's a good. Like, I had a whole first sentence, and then literally in quotes is, beware of inharmonious <laughs> alliances as the second sentence. So we're going to be paying attention yeah. to who we bring on the podcast this coming year. That is brilliant. Okay, gosh, that there's some pressure there. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm glad I grabbed the book. <laughs> Hopefully mine will be <laughs> the same. So I grabbed The History of Spiritualism. By Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So maybe this will give us a good topic. So we're just going to flip it. Or we just flip it until we stop or you just open it? I generally just open it. Okay. Okay. Where are we? Oh, not even a picture. See, yours is perfect. The 80s seem to have covered about the whole range of physical mediumship. Okay. So the book, I think, just gave us a new topic. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I have no idea who these people are. It's They're called the Edie Brothers. And don't know who they are either. I don't either, but they were very, they were mediums in the United States. And it looks like from the years 1874 to 1875. So literally one year. Well, maybe <laughs> I can't read it all. So it's, it's a whole chapter, but 
I think we just got a podcast topic for the next year, the Edie Brothers. So thank you, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Exactly. So when we're stuck on who do we cover next, there we go. That's who it's going to be. Make sure we'll put that on the list for sure. Hopefully they're interesting. I, I Now I'm like, I keep wanting to keep reading. It's like, Jessica, stop it. But there we go. There's a new topic <laughs> for the new year. I feel like yours And get- if it's not an interesting topic, we can also blame Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> There you go. But that's kind of brilliant. It opened right to their their the beginning of the chapter on them. Nice. Uh, now, I don't like this. It did say they seem to have had ample, if rude, accommodation for their guests. What does that mean? With plaster stripping off the walls. Ooh. It means they had plenty of space, but it was not good accommodation. Ooh. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. So their names are Horatio and William. So we will learn more about them. In the coming year. <laughs> All right. Good to know. <laughs> I feel like yours was better, but that's okay. That's okay. These They could be brilliant. We don't know yet. Or at least interesting. That's the important bit. There you go. Like, they can suck as human beings. This will be interesting <laughs> we're talking about. If nothing else, we can always use another form of, like, abuse or fraud to share people so they know what to look out for. There you so go. even if they're terrible human beings, we can still utilize it <laughs> as a learning opportunity. I love it. Okay. So that was for the podcast. This is for us. For personal. All right. Yes. So what are you going to, what book are you using for that? Um, I am using the Baba Yaga's book of witchcraft because I haven't had a chance to really get into it. And by I haven't had a chance, I haven't prioritized my (laughs) personal spiritual learning this season because I have been distracted. All right. It opens to a new section where she shares the wisdom of the Lizovyuk. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, So... You might find them in the woods, but my own story begins there as well. The forest is where I come from. Born at the same time as the sun, the moon, and the 77 sister stars. Born as one of three sisters. Like all multiple births, we had our individual identities. But we also identified as a unit. We all became known as the Baba Yaga. I have no idea what to do with this. Hmm. Becoming one of three? Or three becoming one? I'm a little sus because there are three of us involved in this podcast. I was I, that's kind of what I was going towards huh don't know it's like the story of her becoming Baba Yaga and how people were in the past versus how they are now going out and touching a tree with a loving hand going for a solitary hike basically spending time in nature is my entire takeaway from this I love that though that's brilliant yes so they called me the mistress of the forest oh Oh, see, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So what I'm learning for Bibliomancy, I think with cards, it's a little bit easier because you pull a card and it's like, that's what this takes a little more like thought sometimes. Given how I over and under analyze and spend so much time on each card, this is actually less effort for me. It it gives me words to work with. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But I've also done this more consistently my entire life than I've done card readings. There you um, go. So that is, it's all about what you practice. The same way, I mean, you've seen me with the pendulum. Yes. Yes. Like, you can tell that I've been playing with that sucker my entire <laughs> life because I can get it spinning, like, way faster than, like, anyone else in the room, apparently. <laughs> so it's all about the practice. If you practice your bibliomancy more then. It'll happen accidentally when you go check out a shiny new book at a bookstore and you're like, "Uh oh, this hurts. I'm done with the day. Bye. (laughs) Oh, I know. Sometimes the cards do that. It's like, wow, that was accurate and painful. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
Okay, so I I just grabbed what was in my office. And so for my personal one, this may be good, this may be not, but I chose Talking to the Dead about the Fox Sisters because I love this book about the Fox Sisters. And I'm like you, there are so many like bookmarks in this, so I'm going to do my best. So let's see, <laughs> what do I need to know for the year from the Fox Sisters? Oh, it's interesting. It actually stopped on part three. So I wonder if I need to flip because it's part three and it says the darling little spirit. It's like the beginning. So what are the beginning? Really? What? Because the I, I, I kind of cheated because that ba- page was just a blank. So I went to the next one. Dr. Yeah. Kane Mother- of the Arctic mm. Seas. But we don't like Dr. Kane. I've been, I had to hold myself back when talking about him so I didn't cuss a blue streak on the show. Okay, so this is when they were financially secure to afford luxuries for themselves and their loved one. But freedom from gossip and innuendo was not so easily purchased. What does this mean? <laughs> it means that you'll be financially sound, but people are going to be talking behind your back. I don't like this. I and given like that you this. just left your job, that's accurate AF. Oh my gosh. They craved respectability. Like, this is getting more depressing as I'm reading it. Well, because you turn to a blank page, go back a page as well. Like, look at both okay. sides. Well, the other side is just that. Well, go to the actual words. Okay. Oh, like on this side? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. They talk about the spirit telegraph. Daguerreotypes. I'm trying to think where someone. Uh, oh, it's talking about when they're pictures standing a step behind her sister's. It's just describing what they look like. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the, it talks about their portrait reveals two lovely flesh and blood young women dressed in fashionable gowns. Fabrics look rich, even in black and white. So I think it's that famous picture of them. Let's see if I can get to the end sentence. Maybe that's good. The two youngest Fox sisters had noticed were growing up and the impact of their mediumship on their personal lives and vice versa would become increasingly complex. Okay. Okay, I'm delving more into my mediumship, and that's growing. I'll yeah, take that. And you're doing well, and, you know, your husband just started a new job. Yeah. And you, I mean, there is no world in which people aren't going to gossip. That's true. And so you just left your last job, and you're you're still going to be financially stable, which is a blessing. And yes. Half. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. you're, I mean, we still, I mean, as much as the world has changed around mediumship and yeah. our spiritual paths that we currently have, like, we're not as judged as we were 10 years True. ago. True. There are still going to be gossips who are talking about devil worship and the eating of children. <laughs> that is true. See, you're brilliant at this. See, I try to read it too straightforward. You're very brilliant at this. Because that, as you explain it, I'm like, yep, that all makes sense. Absolutely yeah. all makes sense. Yeah, I need to get these readings from you. Like, Caitlin, I want a bibliomancy reading from you. (laughs) Well, I mean, we can always, uh, because we were talking about getting our Patreon started and getting people involved. And one of the things we're talking about was doing a monthly draw for all of the subscribers and they get a free reading from one of us. I didn't even think about offering bibliomancy as one of the offerings. That would be a lot of fun. Because, well, and I think it helps because, like, I'm in my head, like, what does this mean? I think sometimes, kind of like with cards, it helps having an outside source, like, interpret it. No, because that was very brilliant. I am a fan of bibliomancy now, but I like it better when you do it for me (laughs) than when I do it for myself. 
To be fair, I like my card readings better when you give them to me as well, so you are not alone there. <laughs> we'll just trade off. We'll trade off whenever we need a reading. Yes, perfect. Uh, well, that was actually really fun. I really like yeah. trying that. I love Bibliomancy. It's one of my favorites. That is so cool. Well, what a fun way to end the show and stuff. Okay, last question, because I wanted to end on this because I'm just curious. Okay, two questions. What was your favorite episode of the year, and what are you looking forward to next year? <gasps> That's a really good question. Like, obviously, I loved covering Victoria and Tenny. Right. But at the same time, I actually got a strange amount of enjoyment out of the Davenport brothers. Cool. I really enjoyed, especially talking about and like really understanding how their spirit box works and mm-hmm. spirit cabinet was and realizing how ornate the thing was and how many times they had to rebuild yes. it. There was just so much more detail to their story than I realized. Yeah. And it was just super interesting very cool i love it what was your favorite it was a toss-up because i have like i love the episode i got to do with my parents because that's just so cool that i got to have them on that was a good so one. that's like my favorite for personal reasons but like as a topic i think emma emma Britton. i think that it which was hard because there were so many i loved but she was someone that i had always kind of been fascinated with and get to learn so much more of her story I really enjoyed that. But it was hard. I love the seance ones, too. I'm not going to lie. I yes. Love the oh, my God. Those are ones. so much fun. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's like picking your favorite child. Like, I loved all of them. Oh, exactly. And there are ones that are, like, super difficult. Like, yes. I hurt my brain on transcendentalism. But in hindsight, I'm so glad I have a better understanding of yeah. it now. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I was, that's kind of how I feel about Emma. Like, getting to really dive into her was cool. But, yeah. I mean, it's I, I loved them all. I so, okay, so to finish it, what's something you look forward to next year? Or even a topic you want to cover? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about so many of the topics. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to accidentally tease people if we don't cover them until season three. But like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle or yes. Psychic Animals. And yes. and I'm just, oh my God, I'm so excited about all the topics and the long list of things we yeah. have between things that you and I have come up on our own and suggestions from yeah. listeners. Like, we have quite the list. Like, if y'all are here for the ride, we could be doing this for years. Well, yeah, exactly. No, I'm kind of like you. I, it's like I don't want to throw episodes out there. But, like, I hope at least in the next season, maybe you'll see in three, but, like, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but Houdini. I really yeah. want to dive into Houdini. So that's... I mean, we're going to have to cover both of them pretty close together yeah. because their lives were so intertwined. I mean, that's probably going to be, like, a three-part series. Like, the whole, like, journey and interviews. Now that we've kind of like figured out interviews and how it works, like I'm really excited for that too, to bring more people on the podcast. Absolutely. Because there is so much expertise out there just waiting to talk to us. And yeah. I'm just like, I am so excited. There are people <laughs> who want to talk to us. Oh, I know. I know. So yeah, I think it's going to be a great second season and we'll miss you all. Like, it will. yeah, but... like I'm going to miss doing our, our every other week thing. I but I mean, the good news is because we are going to be getting Patreon started here pretty soon. If you miss us a lot during January, you can always subscribe and listen to all the bonus content that we've been inadvertently teasing y'all with this entire time. We meant to get this started in like August or October, but life had different plans for us. Yeah. So for the gap, we will be getting it started and and hopefully y'all enjoy it. And that'll hold you over until February when we come back with new episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, of course, do us the favor and appease the podcast gods by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't done so yet, while you're there, hit subscribe so that you know when we come back in February. (laughs) Yes. And even in our downtime, we still want to hear from you. So let us know what you think about this episode. And just like we were talking about, if you have any topics you want us to dive into or research, let us know because we will probably do it. We already have. That was our Salem episode. Listener yeah. request. So you can always find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at Calling All Spirits Pod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling lucky, you can always try to contact us via the spirits. We have been through several techniques, (laughs) but I think more fun for y'all would be trying one of the New Year's traditions that we covered today because so many of them are easy to do, literally just taking a step with your right foot. Please don't choke on grapes. We want to see you in the new year. And we very much hope that you have a lucky start to your January and we will see you in February. Absolutely. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.